Welcome to Inside the Crease, the podcast from Power Hockey Canada, dedicated to the Power Hockey community, showcasing the sport, the players, the coaches, and the unique and inspiring stories of life with a disability that break down barriers. Now, please welcome your host, Matt Vecino. All right. Hey, everybody. I am Matt Vecino, your host of Inside the Treats, a podcast started by Power Hockey Canada that's going to dive into the sport and uh, get you really excited about Power Hockey in Canada and North America. Joining me today is Megan Hines, the Vice President of Power Hockey Canada. Megan, how are you doing this evening? Pretty good. How are you? Doing pretty great. Just uh, enjoying the nice weather that we've been fortunate to have in Toronto. I know. It feels like summer. It's pretty crazy, and I'll take it. <laughs> yeah, me too. As, as uh, I'll take the sun as long as we can. I'm not looking forward to the <laughs> winter, that's for sure, and having to hibernate for a few months. <laughs> um, so let's get right into it. Uh, can you give our listeners a little bit of a description of what power hockey is? Yeah, so power hockey, um, in a sense, it's ice hockey with kind of rule-wise, with some variation on the rules, but uh, all of our players play on a wood floor or the, um, the wood gymnasium floor, and everyone plays in a wheelchair, a power wheelchair. Um, there's varying abilities. It's probably one of the more inclusive sports from that perspective, um, given that you can have players who have like full upper body strength, you know, stick handle, crossbody, you know, reach the ball, that kind of thing. But then you have a lot of players like myself uh, who have muscular dystrophy or kind of more progressive disabilities that have limited to no upper body strength. And so either fully attached or stick to their chair or partially attached. And, you know, the, the one great thing about the sport as well is no matter what your ability, everyone has a role and a valued role on the team as well. So Yeah, I, th- I think that's an interesting point. It's, I have to agree, it's probably one of the most inclusive Paris sports are out there because, like you said, teams are consistent of players with varying degrees of ability. So I think that's huge. So yeah. obviously, power hockey has been around for years, but in 2018, a uh, year long, with some other people founded Power Hockey Canada. Mm-hmm. Um, so can you tell me a little bit about the emphasis of this program and sort of why you felt it was important uh, to establish Power Hockey Canada? Yeah, absolutely. So we, um, a group of us, had the opportunity to go to the 2018 World Cup in Italy and really saw how, you know, further far ahead a lot of the European leagues were and that kind of thing. And so that was really the impetus for us starting Power Hockey Canada. It was an idea that we had for a long time and it was kind of the the catalyst, like I said, to push us forward. Um, You know, our goal is we want to be, as Canada is, a hockey nation and a power hockey nation. So um, that's really pushed us. And in the past year and a half, almost two years we've been around, it's kind of amazing to see all the success we've had uh, both nationally and internationally and um, I'm super excited kind of for what's to come as well. Yeah, at Power Hockey Canada, it's only really in its infancy two years now, but uh, what into the future, what are your goals and expectations um, for Power Hockey Canada and just the sport of Power Hockey in general? Yeah, I think a couple of things. So um, one of the big focuses is growing the sport nationally, so across Canada, getting more hockey pro- Power Hockey programs up and running um, in every province where, because it's a sport like we talked about before, that's so inclusive. And so, um, you know, definitely a lot of areas could have a, a program going and kind of have people benefit from that. So I think that's kind of the first thing nationally, really also just getting awareness out of the sport. Um, one of the big things that I find in being playing is that a lot of time when I say if I play power hockey, everyone's like, oh yeah, sledge hockey. And I'm like, no, no, it's very different kind of thing. So 
Um, really just kind of getting the word out there, the awareness of the sport, which will, I think, in turn help for getting more, you know, programs up and running, players uh, participating in the sport, that kind of thing. So that's kind of on the national side. Um, on the flip side as well, looking on the international side of things, really trying to get more involved in international competition, you know, grow that high performance training program to help, you know, prepare our athletes for that next level of competition so that, you know, when we do get invited as Team Canada for, you know, the World Cup or whatever competition it may be, then our athletes are prepared to represent Canada on the world stage and, you know, dominate like like Canada does in hockey. No, for sure. I think um, growing sort of the game in Canada, but also overseas is, is a huge thing. And I think, like you said, if we are able to find success internationally, that in turn will also help uh, the sport and power hockey get lots of recognition in this in our own country. Um, going, going back to you mentioned in 2018, you represented Canada at the World Championship. What was that like for you? You've been playing the game for a long time, but what was that like to put on the Canadian jersey and, and represent your country overseas? Yeah, I think it was really surreal. Like, it's not something that a lot of people have the opportunity to do. And so certainly did not take it for granted being able to represent Canada on the world stage, play amongst so many amazing uh, pair athletes, you know, from around the world. Um, and so I think we're just, yeah, something that not a lot of people get the opportunity to do. So definitely, you know, took that and kind of valued that. Um, and it was really great, you know, for the sport, given that rules are a bit different on the international side of things, you know, the, the goal of going to that tournament was really learning uh, from the international, you know, learning the rules, uh, creating those relationships as well. And so um, I think having that camaraderie, camaraderie within our team Canada, but also being able to kind of meet other people who play kind of, in, you know, share the same love for the sport that I do um, from around the world. And, you know, I've had the opportunity to stay in touch with a lot of those players from, you know, European countries, you know, Belgium, Australia, Italy, all that kind of thing. So it's something that, you know, I'll cherish and has really stayed with me for like even two years later. No, for sure. Relationships that you built there had lasted uh, for a lifetime and, and will be, I think, important for growing the game moving forward. Um, I just want to touch on something that you mentioned, how you said that there's sort of a, a different set of rules uh, in the European style of power hockey versus, um, I guess, the more, I don't want to say hockey, but the more traditional sense that is played in Canada and the United States. So for our listeners, can you sort of give us an insight of what some of those major differences are from the North American game and the European style of play? Yeah, I would say probably a couple of key things. One, um, so in power hockey in Canada or North America, you know, the big, one of the big things being you know, the flip the ball. So, you know, if you're stuck in a corner, don't really know what to do, then kind of the level one, level two players are going to really just flip it out, hope for the best, hope it kind of gets out of our ends in the defensive totally. line. Um, so it's kind of probably one of its biggest rules that the, foot, the ball can only go about a foot high. Um, the nets as well are only about a foot high and quite wide compared to our nets. Um, so it's a lot more low shots, and um, which I think really adds to the skill level of the game as well in that, like in a, a, a different way in the sense of like having to keep the ball low and figure out how to stick in or get out of a lot of the difficult situations. Um, there's also no offside, uh, which is kind of we're not necessarily used to. So you can kind of you know have a player go down the other end and uh, maybe kind of get a, a, a nice breakaway from that perspective. Um, and then I think one of the biggest things as well is within. North America, all our players have to play in their everyday chairs, um, purposely from the perspective of making sure that um, 
you know, having a sports chair, which is more advanced in terms of the way it's kind of, you know, turn the speed, that kind of thing. Cause they, they're probably 10, $20,000. So people have to play in their everyday chairs. So it's not a financial barrier to play in the sport. Uh, whereas on the international side of things, they do have those sports chairs um, just because of the funding that a lot of the governments overseas provide to pair athletes. So I think those are probably the key differences. Um, while there are a lot of diff- a few differences, I would say that overall, once you kind of get used to the game, it's actually not, um, you know, that different in a sense, you kind of get used to it. It just, you know, it, in essence, it's hockey, um, you know, you're trying to score in a net and defending against the ball kind of thing. So you just got to, you know, shift your mindset a little bit when you are playing. Yeah, for sure. And I, I think one interesting point that you made is, um, in Europe, obviously you have to use your main chair. Um, and that's sort of one stipulation, obviously for people that don't know you, uh, you have congenital muscular dystrophy, correct? Correct. Yeah. Uh, can you tell us sort of a little bit about what CMD is and how it has affected your life up until this point? Yeah. So, um, congenital MBD, basically the easiest way to explain it is affects my muscles. So, um, something that feels like the easiest way to put it, like something that feels like one pound to lift you feels like 10 pounds kind of to me to, to any old body person. So that's kind of the biggest way it's affected me from a strength perspective. Also not being able to kind of weight bear and transfer myself, you know, walk, anything like that. Um, also from a respiratory perspective, I do use a ventilator because um, I don't have the greatest lungs. So um, it also kind of affects me, uh, you know, from just like being able to breathe as deeply and that kind of thing, like um, others without MD. But um, congenital MD is one that doesn't necessarily progress like other forms of MD. I would say, you know, I started walking when I was about three, started using a wheelchair when I was six, kind of lost my some of my strength, but it's been mm-hmm. pretty stable until since I was like about 14, 15 years old. Um, compared to other forms of MD. No, and I actually can general must disagree myself, so I can totally rate and understand exactly uh, what you're coming from and what you're explaining. Um, one thing that I found interesting was you talked about this sort of your physical strength and not being able to lift certain things. How has that, uh, I guess I'll say limitation, but how has that impacted your play uh, on the court in power hockey? I think sometimes it's actually beneficial in the sense that, um, you know, I learned how to use my chair more so, especially, uh, so I play defense uh, primarily. And so, you know, you obviously have a bigger surface area in terms of blocking a shot with your whole chair versus then versus using your stick. And so um, I usually loosely attach my stick to my chair so I can kind of stick handle a little bit. Um, what I find sometimes though, in watching other players who do have the upper body strength is they're more reliant on the stick themselves. So I think it's a, it's a different style of play. Obviously, you know, everyone has value to the game like we chatted about, but, um, you know, being able to learn how to use my chair, the awareness um, of kind of getting in there and not necessarily just relying on my stick because I know I'm not going to win a stick battle at all. So yep. kind of learn to strategically be able to sit on the ball until, you know, a level two or a level one player can come help me out um, and kind of, you know, block it from that perspective. Exactly. I like hearing that you just sort of, Use uh use your brain and your other talents to your advantage when maybe yeah. physically you can't. Um, <laughs> shifted gears a little bit. Um, obviously, a disability is a huge part of your life. So can you sort of tell me how your disability has either positively or negatively impacted your life? Yeah, I think like it's certainly like for me because my disability is from birth. Like it's only it's all it's all that I know in a sense. So. Um, but I think some positive aspects of it is it has given me like a lot of transferable skills that 
I use in the workforce. I know it sounds weird, um, but like I work full time at one of um, Canada's financial institutions. And so a lot of the skills like organization or, you know, problem solving, those types of skills are things that, yes, I've learned in my education and um, that kind of thing. But it's also skills that I've learned just kind of navigating life with a disability. So, for instance, um, in addition to working full time, I also manage a team of about, you know, six to eight personal care attendants. And so basically a full-time job plus a part-time job on the side and kind of managing oh, yeah. um, or even something as simple, like, you know, making a, going out to dinner, is not as simple as just making a reservation. You know, you got to make a reservation, call the restaurant, say, Hey, are you accessible? And then they'll be like, Oh yeah, we are. And I'll be like, okay, how accessible are you? And they'll be like, Oh, well, we'll just carry your stair, your wheelchair upstairs. So um, yeah. unless they're feeling really strong, they're not going to carry my 500 pound wheelchair <laughs> up the stairs. So uh, you know, just kind of probing into that thing and, um, you know, being able to problem solve around this type of situations if, you know, you encounter something and like, hey, it's not what it expected. So I think those are probably some of the more positive aspects uh, of my disability that have really kind of changed my perspective um, and give me like a, a unique perspective, I guess I should say, compared to people without disabilities, I think. No, for sure. I, I think you made a really good point of people don't necessarily understand what it truly means to be accessible in terms of uh, uh, restaurants or this sort of any public place, a lot of people don't necessarily understand what we as disabled people have to consider when we're making plans and making arrangements. Um, one thing I want to touch on too is you have a service dog. Mm -hmm. So can you tell me a little bit about that and sort of uh, how that helps your day-to-day -day life and helps you with your disability and, and do tasks? Yeah, so I have my third German dog now. His name is Clifford. The, he's like not so big, you know, not the, yeah. the dog kind of thing, a, a little more white compared to the big red dog. But, Love the name. Um, <laughs> yeah, so um, yeah, so he's my third service dog, and I got him about three years ago now. Um, and he can help me with tasks like opening doors, picking things up, barking for help, that kind of thing. So um, I got my first dog when I was about nine or 10. Each of my dogs, I think, have helped me at a different stage in my life and so have had a different purpose. So when I was younger, it was more about the independence, you know, my parents feeling comfortable about me walking back and forth to school by myself uh, kind of thing. And then my second dog I was got when I went and lived away from um, home for university. So again, kind of a different aspect of what I needed a service dog for. And so um, Clifford now I got just as I was moving out um, into a condo in Toronto at, at my parents' home. And so, you know, having that confidence of living alone um, you know, not being worried that, hey, if I drop something, what am I going to do if I, if I don't have an attendant that's going to come for a few hours kind of thing, yeah. or being able to bark for help so my neighbors know if they hear him bark, you know, incessantly, it's not that he's being annoying, like, you know, I need something kind of thing. So, yeah, um, yeah those are kind of the few things that he definitely helps me out with, as well as just being super cute and fluffy and cuddly, which is also a bonus. <laughs> wow, that's the best part of having your dog. Uh Obviously, you mentioned that you're living independently now on your own. Uh, obviously, that like that's a huge thing for anybody uh, moving out and just sort of settling in in their own place. How has that been as a disabled person, and sort of what are the challenges that you that you face, or or that things you expect to be difficult, but that really haven't been? Yeah, so I had a bit of like a trial run, I'll call it, when I went away to university um, because I lived away at McMaster um, in residence, but. I'll, I'll, call it, I'll call it a trial run because it was an accessible dorm room. So everything was set up for me kind of thing. You know, had to make a few tweaks here and there, but overall mm -hmm. pretty accessible. There was, 
you know, the campus, um, you know, front desk and always there to help out if needed, but kind of living out in a condo on my own, it's like, I had to kind of, one of the challenges is it's hard finding a place, let alone a condo in Toronto that is accessible. So when I found this place, it was definitely beneficial because um, things like the washroom was, you know, wide enough for me to get my chair in and that kind of thing. And, um, but I think, you know, it's, well, it's been challenging kind of having to navigate and, you know, maybe make things more accessible and that kind of thing. It's um, something that, you know, I definitely value being able to do and that not a lot of people or not everyone with a disability has that ability. Um, so, you know, being able to do that has definitely been beneficial and something that I value for sure. And obviously, I'm sure you're aware based on how this conversation is going, but we're not just focusing on power hot in sports, but it's a little bit of a lifestyle podcast. So just sort of tying that into uh, living independently. Do you have any tips for uh, disabled individuals that are looking to move out and looking to live independently? What are some, say, things you wish you would have known uh, going into that? Yeah, I think it's about kind of, you know, you'll never, I don't think anyone really ever finds a place that's absolutely perfect. So I think kind of going back to that problem solving side of things that we chatted about earlier, like a little bit of that in terms of, you know, trying to find a place that fits most of the needs and how can how can you kind of change things where needed? So when I got my place, for instance, there was a really weird design where like the door in the bedroom opened up into the bathroom, which made no sense. So having to like, you know, put a sliding door there instead or, um, but I also find like for me having somewhere that's really close to, you know, a grocery store, a, you know, drugstore, that kind of thing um, has also been beneficial. Just having, again, more of the independence, being able to walk and grab something, um, you know, for dinner if I, was lazy and didn't put something else before, out before I left for work kind of thing. So uh, things like that, I think. Um, but also just taking time. Like there's no, while living on, on your own, is definitely, you know, a great experience of independence. I think not rushing it and being able to really find the best place that suits your need and not, you know, having to get it just in settling and that, that kind of thing, if that makes sense. No, it makes complete sense. Uh, so the taking you back and on the idea of, of rushing into things, Obviously, you've been a veteran of the power hockey game for 20-plus years now, but looking back as a kid, were you always interested in sports? Uh, were there other pair of sports that you tried before you found power hockey? Yeah, I was pretty active when I was a kid. My kind of growing up, my parents instilled the philosophy in me, and I kind of have held it ever since, that I can do anything I want to. I just might do it a bit differently. That's kind of mm-hmm. been my... I don't say motto, but kind of the way I've lived my life. And so, you know, when I was younger, I um, did skating because my sister was a bigger skater. So why not kind of thing? Or uh, I used to downhill ski, but horseback riding, um, you know, all that kind of thing. I used to you know, play gym class, you know, you know, playing soccer, that kind of thing. But I think once I found power hockey uh, when I was about nine or 10 years old, um, I think it's one that because of all the reasons we chatted about, about it being inclusive, one, the sports, that you can really grow with you as well as your disability make progress. Um, it's one that really, you know, I stuck with, I guess you could say. And so um, for all those reasons, and also just like the social aspect as well. I think that's something, you know, we focus a lot on the game itself and the sport, but the social aspect is something that I think really helped me throughout my life, especially, you know, as I moved into the senior league, kind of playing with older players, having that, you know, peer mentorship aspect, having players, that, you know, had gone away to university or gone away to college or lived on their own, whatever it may be, and kind of saying, hey, like, how did he do that? Or being able to, like, just see that and saying, hey, like, yeah, I can do that. You know, why can't they? If they can do it, so can I type thing. So I think that's kind of why I ended up sticking with the sport. 
um, on top of all the all the amazing opportunities it's given me to you know travel nationally and internationally and have the privilege of representing Toronto and Canada um, at different tournaments. So um, yeah, one I'm kind of glad I stuck with for all those reasons for sure. Yeah, and I, I love that you talked about the idea of sort of making that why can't I? Um, obviously, the sport of power hockey, like we talked about, is very inclusive, and there are a lot of women in the game. Um, how how important do you think it is that power hockey uh, continues to reach out to young girls and young women in order to attract them to the game? And do you do you see yourself as a role model and someone that um, is, is striving to get more women and young girls involved in the sport? Yeah, I think it's something that's definitely important is getting more, I think in any sport, getting more women involved. Um, I wouldn't necessarily call myself a role model, but someone that I definitely want to want to be there. And kind of like when I was younger and saw, you know, older players, you know, playing, I, I want to hopefully kind of be that for someone else and kind of say, hey, if I can do it, then why can't they, in the sense. Um, you know, I think it is really important, like I said, to have girls and women and, um, involved in sports um, and power hockey as well. You know, on our, um, on, most times, kind of I'm, one of two, three, you know, women on this team. Um, but I think that should be, you know, should be 50-50, if not more. Um, mm-hmm. Girls, you know, we can do things just as well as guys, if not better, kind of thing. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm, I'm all for getting more women involved um, and kind of helping out in any way I can as well to kind of be that for someone. And um, you know, if anyone wants to chat about the sport as well, you know, be that in terms of sh- to show how, how it's benefited me and, and that kind of thing. Yeah, looking ahead to the growth of the game, obviously, we're trying to get more participants and more women, like you said. Um, where do you see the sport, say, in five years? What What do you hope power hockey in Canada looks like? I think it's definitely something where we have more leagues across Canada. Um, also have more, you know, regional or kind of weekend competitions, that kind of thing. Just more opportunity for people to play. Um, you know, in most able-bodied sports, you play, are able to play more than once a week and in whatever the league or program style might be. So I think that's kind of my ideal goal is that, you know, we have more opportunities for people to play in that outlet for sports for a lot of our um, para-athletes. And um, so I think that's kind of one of the biggest things. And um, like I talked about before, just the awareness as well, kind of the awareness and recognition, the fact that, um, you know, power hockey is a sport that is kind of great on the recreational side of things, but it's also a really intense and amazing game as well. And so one that's, you know, people can really excel at and, you know, show, show off all their abilities um, despite, you know, what their disability may be. No, for sure. And and I like that you're sort of taught into the next generation. So if there's a young boy, a young girl, doesn't matter their age, really, if they're listening to this, what would you say to them? And, and how would you describe power to them in order to get them involved in the sport? Yeah, I think it's like just come out and try it. I think it's the biggest thing. Like, I probably... So I got introduced to the sport. I was, you know, in the parking lot of Blurview, which is one of the kids' rehab centers here in Toronto. And yeah. his mom came up to me and said, hey, why don't you come out to um, play hockey on Sunday? And, you know, being the nine-year-old girl, I was like, hey, yeah, why not kind of thing. So um, not being aware of it at all before that, I think if I didn't go out and try, then I probably wouldn't have fallen in love, in the game, in love with the game. So I think that's the key thing is come out and try it. Um, and especially for the parents as well as, you know, come out and, kind of encouraging to bring your your kids or your teenagers or whoever to the sport and kind of see all the benefits of the sport as well, but kind of beyond the sport, like talked about before, just the social benefits. And I think it's something that's, for me, it's really turned me into the person I am today. Um, A lot of the transferable skills we chatted about that I kind of bring into my day-to-day or as a person with disability, I think 
a lot of those I also gained playing the sport as well, like the teamwork, the analytical thinking as well, like all those types of things are things that, you know, I really honed in while playing the sport. No, for sure. It's playing a game like power hockey is not just the sport that you say. It's those, uh, those skills that you learn, the relationships that you build that, that really improve someone's life and, and help them into the future. Um, I really appreciate you taking the time to speak with me today, Megan. Okay. But before you go, here at Power Hockey and Inside the Priest, we have a fun little segment that we like to call the Six Shot Shootout. Now it's time for the Six Shot Shootout. It's six rapid-fire questions coming at you, so get ready. So I'm going to hit you with six questions. It's a, a yes and no or a this or that. Oh, God. So Pressure's 30 on. seconds. <laughs> Pressure's on. You can handle it. Lord, you're defenseman. You know what it's like for the pressure to be coming at you. <laughs> All right, let me know. Let me know when you're ready, and I'll uh, I'll start the rap with fire. Go for it. All right. So, question number one: Are you a morning person or a night owl? Night, hundred percent. Morning, me no trip to wake before like nine. <laughs> oh, me too. Me too. Pizza or hamburgers? Pizza. What do you like on it? Uh, pepperoni, pineapple, mushroom. I know pineapple is a you know Ooh. a tense topic. Not everyone's for or against, but I'm a hundred percent for pineapple on pizza. <laughs> I'm going to fight you on that one day. Do you have a phone call or a text? I think it depends who I'm talking to, maybe. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. That's fair. Rain or snow? I think snow. Because rain, I can't, hold I, I can't hold an umbrella. So I think snow. Oh, that's a tough one. Snow, I could uh, face like the middle of the side one. So I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? You changed my reasoning on that. I literally said I prefer rain because I can't move in the snow, but... I wouldn't want to get wet, so that's a good call. Money or fame? Mm, I think money. I don't okay. know. That's a tough one. Okay. <laughs> Not a Very tough. TV shows or movies? TV shows. I'd much rather be able to binge watch, like, a good, especially now in COVID, have a good, like, seven-season show to binge watch. That take up more time. <laughs> what are you watching these days? Uh, just finished Sons of Anarchy, which was pretty good and addicting. Uh, also, Animal Kingdom was really good, and uh, Queen of the South was good too. So, or, uh, right, you hear that? You hear the listeners? Three shows that Maiden's doing this. Finish them. <laughs> Anyways, Meg, really appreciate you taking the time to speak with me today. Uh, any parting shots or parting words for our audience? No, I don't think so. Thank you so much for having me. It's been you know, great conversation. And um, if anyone's interested in kind of learning more about kind of power hockey, the sport, you know, feel free to reach out, happy to chat and kind of would love to get more people involved anyway, kind of player, volunteer, fan, whatever it may be. So. Awesome. Well, thanks Megan for joining us on our first episode of Inside the Crease. <laughs> thanks so much. Have a good night. Thank you for joining us on Inside the Crease, the podcast dedicated to the power hockey community. If you enjoyed today's show, please like, subscribe, and tell a friend. Visit our website at InsideTheCrease.com and follow us on social media at InsideCrease.